Hi, Wendy. So it's so nice to have you this morning with the CBIA and BizCast. I'm so excited to have you today. I just want to start by talking a little bit about the fact that you are one of our main speakers for our When Women Lead event, which is being hosted on May 26th. We're super excited for the event because unfortunately, due to COVID last year, we didn't get to host it. So I wanted to thank you and Cigna, not only for speaking, but for being a sponsor of the event. We couldn't put on these types of events without support from companies like yours. So thank you again for agreeing to be part of that event with us. It is absolutely my pleasure, my honor to participate in this event. Like you said, there were so many events like this that unfortunately got canceled as a result of the pandemic. And while we're not completely out of the pandemic, it is so important to continue to have these types of events so we can continue to um, you know, work towards a better tomorrow. Yeah, of course. And you know, with that kind of introduction, I'd love to just kind of dive right in with you. Um, so if you just wanted for our audience and for, you know, the people who will be joining us for When Women Lead, if you want to just start a little bit by sharing your background, just a little bit about yourself and then kind of your overview of your position with Sigma. Sure. I'm happy to give a little bit of the voiceover of my uh, career. So uh, most of my professional career has been spent at Cigna. Um, you know, I won't divulge exactly my age, but let's just say it's a couple of decades. <laughs> and um, I actually currently hold the position of uh, market president for the state of Connecticut, which means that I have overall responsibility for all of our sales and distribution activities, all of our network contracting activities. So think about the ability to uh, provide um, access and uh, better rates for doctor or hospital care that folks are, are having. I'm also um, responsible for all of our community um, engagement activities here locally and working on government affairs type issues, which obviously is, is key to um, CBIA. Um, at the same time, while I'm running uh, the Connecticut market, I also have the responsibility for leading another business at Cigna, which is referred to as Payer Solutions, which is our third-party administration business. So it's a little bit of a different business. It's a national business, um, but let's just say both of those um, leadership roles keep me quite busy um, at Cigna. But as I mentioned, right, I've been with the company for a couple of decades and you know this is uh, the the role that i've uh, you know aspired to achieve but i started out um you know again a couple decades ago in our financial development program i joined the company i am an accountant by background um, and i joined into one of our many leadership programs very early in my career um, that gave me the opportunity to really understand our business um, how we uh, serve uh, clients and customers, how that drives top and bottom line earnings and growth and things that are really important um, to fuel our company that allows us, you know, to be able to then uh, give back to our communities. Um, through the course of, of my career at Cigna, I moved from our financial, um, a financial oriented role. I had the opportunity to move into our clinical operation, really understand the heart of what we do as a company in terms of helping people with their care, um, and then had the opportunity to be in our solutions area, which really gave me the opportunity to understand how we solve problems and how we take those problems and solutions and bring them into the market 
um, in, and again, sell them to employers and help customers. All of those experiences prepared me to be able to take on the role that I have today in terms of leading these two uh, businesses for Cigna. You know, I just kind of want to touch in, you know, you described kind of, you know, the your buildup in your career to kind of facing these challenges. So we're just going to deep dive right into COVID and kind of what your response and the team at Cigna has kind of dealt with in the last in the last 15 months and kind of what you guys were faced with, not only your response, but if you want to touch a little bit about, you know, employee mental health, kind of the social unrest. Take it away. Tell me what you want to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think we would all agree that the last uh, 12 to 15 months has been like no other, right? We will all look back on this time and we will remember um, the pandemic and then on top of it, the social unrest, as you said, political divide, right? Natural disasters, right? This has definitely been one of those years that all of us will remember. And, you know, I think back to, um, it was March 13th, um, when the order came out, send all your employees home. And, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with folks, there was no preparing for that, right? If you think about how as organizations, you take on major initiatives, there's a lot of planning, project teams and timelines and milestones and governance and all of that. There was none of that. It was boom send everyone home like that. And, you know, what we first needed to do, and I use this um, example a lot, it's like being on an airplane, right? When, you, when the oxygen masks come down, it says, first put the mask on yourself, so then you can help others. And that's what Cigna did initially, right? So in the early days, it was making sure that our employees had what they need. Did they have computer setups? Did they, you know, have a comfortable work environment? Were they able to do their job, but not be in a physical location? As soon as we ensured that our, our oxygen masks were on our own employees, we then immediately pivoted to figure out how we ensure that we take care of all of the stakeholders that we serve. So we wanted to make sure that our clients and our customers had what they needed. If you think about customers, there was a lot around getting COVID testing, and we wanted to make sure that there was not a barrier, a financial barrier for folks to go and get the needed testing. So we quickly issued communication, no cost share on COVID testing, treatments, et cetera. That's a great example of the kind of work we did to ensure that we were helping consumers during this unprecedented time. From the provider perspective, right, they were providing such an important uh, service, right? They were helping people um, during this time and their operations were literally being turned on their heads as well. So we wanted to make sure that we were removing every single barrier to their ability to provide care. So we took down barriers like prior authorization and other things that could get in their ways. So that was, you know, how we wanted to make sure that we were helping the providers so that they, again, could help, um, you know, the, the, the country uh, deal with this. And then, you know, another thing I'll just highlight is many of the, the not-for-profit organizations that, you know, during that time, you know, folks were diverting resources and, and they weren't able to have the money they needed to, to continue on with their important programs. So we found ways to actually give 
um, whether it was time, whether it was money, resources, whatever, to ensure that the good work of those organizations continued. So those are just a couple of examples of how we responded to the pandemic. So obviously there is a team around you that kind of, you know, you weren't the only person obviously kind of doing this response, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about kind of the things that, you know, the skills that you kind of developed over your professional career that kind of put you in a position to be able to address some of these challenges and deal with them head on. Yeah, Molly, it's such a great question, right? Because as I said, there was no preparing for this. It was boom, you're, you're home. And um, how do you lead through that, right? Because not only did I need to lead the team, but I was dealing with what was going on in my own house, right? So I had a daughter who she was sent home from college. Now, all of a sudden, she's in literally the next room, right, finishing her schoolwork. I had a high school senior who his whole entire senior year was just up, you know, upended, and he was finishing out his career, right? We were all now under the same roof trying to figure out how we do our thing, right? My husband had to continue to do his job as well. And at the same time, I had to figure out how my team had what they needed and how we were going to continue to ensure that the clients and customers and providers that we serve also had what they needed. And, you know, you said to me, how did what, you know, your, your experience, how did that help you? And when I reflected back and I thought about, okay, how do I do this? How do I move forward? I really did rely on some of the core themes that I've always used throughout my career. And it's this notion of focus, team, and tools. Those are three key topics that I always think about when I think about leadership, right? Focus. Are we focusing on what matters most? Because there's so much going on. How do you ensure that you're focusing on the things that matter most at this moment? And guess what? There were things that we had been focused on that no longer mattered or needed to be reprioritized. But that notion of focus continued to help me as I led through the pandemic. And we constantly needed to ensure that our focus was on the right thing. The notion of team, right? You cannot get anything done unless you have that team around you. So making sure, as I said a moment ago, the team had what they needed. Was everyone okay? Where did we need to lean in because somebody was dealing with a child who, you know, had to get their schoolwork done. So covering for folks, making sure that people had what they needed and that people felt supported. And then tools. Did people have the tools they needed to get their job done? So while the things under each of those categories may have been different um, with the pandemic, the lessons around those key areas of focus really helped me as I led through this pandemic. I love that answer. You know, you always kind of keep some of those tools with you throughout your career. Um, so I'd love to kind of just get a little bit, you know, into the challenges that you've faced as a woman um, in the corporate world. You know, you talk about the tools that you've kept, but what are kind of the challenges that you had to face, you know, to learn these lessons for that? Yeah, so, you know, it's I, I love this question. I love talking about this, right, because um, there's this drive for, you know, women in leadership and, you know, companies are definitely focused on it. Cigna has been great at ensuring that we're increasing the representation of women in the ranks and certainly a great example of that. But there's this piece that you need to own, right, as a woman. 
And, you know, one of the things maybe that I'll, um, I'll talk about is this notion of being courageous um, and being comfortable, being uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and it's something that I've had to do throughout my career and really lean into that. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, take, um, leading two businesses um, at Cigna. And when I took over these businesses, I didn't know everything I needed to know. There were things about the job that I had never done. So I mentioned market president of Connecticut. I'm responsible for sales and distribution. Well, guess what? I walked through a little bit of my career profile. Did you hear sales in that career profile? You didn't, right? So now I'm leading a sales organization, but I've never actually been in sales. But what I, what I was able to lean on is some of those other experiences around, well, what is sales really about, right? Sales is about influencing people to make a decision. And I had tons of experience around have, having to influence people. So I was able to draw on experiences that aligned to things that I didn't know. And then also really, really important, I surrounded myself with people who did have those technical skills and knowledge. And I was very humble about acknowledging what I didn't know and asking for help, even as a leader, asking for help. So it's okay not to check every box in terms of the experiences before you take that job or raise your hand for that next opportunity. So that's a great lesson that you know I would give to the audience and something that I've pushed myself you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. I say to people, if you don't have those butterflies in your stomach when you're taking that next job or seeking the next opportunity, you're probably not pushing and challenging yourself enough. Thank you for that, Wendy. That's a great answer. You know, I think as, you know, a young woman in my own career, I wouldn't be here without pushing myself and kind of coming to terms with there is going to be discomfort and you can't just live in the comfortable areas. So thank you for that. So I want to just talk a little bit about, um, you know, something that you kind of took um, for the forefront in the pandemic. Um, you were quoted in the Hartford Business Journal as saying, as market president of health insurers, Cigna, Connecticut you have created discussion groups to help employees learn more about colleagues um, from different backgrounds. So I kind of want to know what those look like and how do you think those groups have been successful, yes or no? Yeah, and thank you for asking me that question. I'm glad I said yes to one more because um, this is something that's been really important and something that I've actually been really proud that I've been able to have a part in this. So when obviously all of the social unrest of last year and when George Floyd, et cetera, hit, um, there was this moment of how do we actually um, allow for the right conversation? And people, again, go back to being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I was super uncomfortable, right? I, I'm obviously a, a white woman and I can't relate to some of these situations that black folks were, were dealing with. So how do I help? How do I learn? Um, how do I engage in a conversation? So what we started to do was create inclusive conversations um, that allowed people to share their experiences, that allowed others, including myself, to actually break down some of the unconscious bias that exists, right? And unconscious bias isn't a bad thing. Everyone has it. You have it because 
of the experiences that you have. If you haven't had the experience, right, that's what creates unconscious bias. The only way to break it down is by opening up and listening and understanding other people's experiences. So we created these safe spaces for people to come together. We actually used, um, there's a Netflix documentary called The 13th. Um, we actually use that as our jump off point for the conversation. So we pushed out information. We asked everyone to uh, watch the documentary, which I found fascinating. And then we brought folks together to discuss the documentary, but obviously it led to people really opening up and sharing their stories. And I can't tell you how much that has helped me personally. And I know it's helped others because again, only by listening do you start to understand where you can break down those, those unconscious bias? So we started those obviously last year as a result of a lot of um, the social unrest that was unfolding, but we're, we're actually committed and we're continuing to um, have those conversations on a go forward basis because as my boss um, has so eloquently said, um, we wanted to ensure, ensure that it wasn't just a moment, but that we created a movement. So we've got to continue to have these kinds of conversations. And I think too, Wendy, it's super important because, you know, the better that we understand kind of our colleagues and coworkers, um, we just have a better chance to make um, not only business successful, but kind of improve the economy. You know, when everybody feels like they're getting equitable share, you know, that's really how we, you know, move forward together. Um, and finally, I just want to do kind of like a rapid fire, fun, quick question for you. Um, so it's Friday. It's a beautiful day. I kind of just want to know what your ideal weekend looks like and what do you think would be the best weekend for you? Ah, I love it. So um, actually, and I'm fortunate to be able to take advantage and do one of my favorite activities on the weekend, especially with the sun shining, as you said. So we're uh, a boating family and uh, we just put our boat in the, in the water not too long ago. So getting out on that boat this weekend is definitely um, high on my list. Oh, that sounds great. Well, the weather's supposed to be great tomorrow. So, you know, hopefully you'll get to enjoy that. Wendy, thank you so much again for joining us. Again, you'll be a featured speaker at our When Women Lead conference, which is being hosted on May 26th. Cigna is a sponsor. And thank you again for your time. We're so excited to have you and learn a little bit more about your story on the 26th. Sounds fantastic. Enjoy your weekend and thanks again. You too. Thanks, Wendy. For the latest Connecticut business news, events, and resources, visit cbia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Contact us anytime at 860-244-1900. Thanks so much for listening.